0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to OrthoPod. My name is Mo Bendari, as you know, Editor-in-Chief of OrthoEvidence. I'm here today with a friend and colleague, Dr. Nina Huja, who is uh, an ophthalmic surgeon, uh, the academic head of the Division of uh, Ophthalmology at McMaster University, and currently serves as an associate professor there as well. She is founder of Docs and Leadership, and most importantly, uh, I have her here today to chat with us in the orthopedic surgical community about stress in medicine. Welcome Nina.
1: Thank you Mo very much for having me.
0: So I had um, the pleasure of getting an advanced copy of your book and reading it and it was really really um, a very easy flow read um, and the 200 or so pages fly by. So you you can actually do the read in a single sitting which is good. I think for most of us you know when we're looking to read it's a it's really really good. I want to start if I could um, with what I found was a profound final statement or near final statement and you start off, I think I'll paraphrase it, We say, I encourage you to challenge the culture of silence within medicine. And I wonder what you mean by that. And I wonder if that might be an opening statement to really what this book is about.
1: Mm -hmm. The final statement I thought a lot about, actually, when writing the book, the book in itself is something that I am very passionate about, uh, because I do feel that stress is very high in medicine. And it's something that We're brought into when we actually start engaging right from medical education. The idea that, you know, we come in, we're in a competitive environment, we're reared in a competitive environment. uh, And as a result of that, there's often hesitation to uh, share experiences and challenges that we face, whether they be personal or professional. Because of the nature of our profession, it's very unique. We're often exposed to different. experiences that other people are not, and it's emotionally intense in many ways. And so the idea of that statement was to encourage people to be open about the challenges they face, so that at least we can support one another as colleagues who can understand the unique context. The book uh, presents that uh, idea and also a framework by which we can start thinking about our challenges and addressing them in a way that is more organized, because I feel that As physicians and surgeons, we all have very structured minds. And so sometimes when dealing with challenges, uh, it's nice to have a framework to work within. So within the book, I present five phases of experience, which in my experience have been where my challenges have brooded. And so within that, I explore the different factors that we can think about to help manage those situations, depending on the phase of challenge that we're finding ourselves in. So that's the essence of the book. And and the, the final statement is, uh, to encourage people to um, share their challenges. I've been very transparent and open, as you know, having read the book about mm. some of my own. And yeah. so the spirit of that was to um, lend that experience to other people as uh, encouragement to do it themselves so we can actually start helping and actively supporting each other more openly.
0: Well, I mean, that's a, first of all, that's, 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 that's great. Because my question was going to be, who do you think this book is ideally suited for? Um, I get the impression I have the answer, but I'd love to hear it from you.
1: (laughs) My impression is that it's open to any health professional. Anyone who's in medicine can relate to the context. Uh, It's written from a physician perspective, speaking to fellow physicians. But I feel that the true audience is the uh, learners, the medical students, residents, people in the first five years of career, simply because even if we look at the Canadian Medical Association uh, Physician Health Survey that was conducted in 2017, uh, the higher incidences of um, concerns with wellness did come in those categories. And so it is across the board, of course, for people who've been in practice as well. But my thought uh, was actually that if we can present these tools to people earlier on in their careers, that it's something they can carry with them throughout, um, in addition to you know more seasoned people as well, hopefully getting something out of it.
0: So I also noted that in your introduction, you uh, you really referenced COVID-19, which made me think this book has been very recently constructed, or at least you've been thinking about it, I'm sure, for many, many years, and we'll get to the storyline, but certainly yeah, you have been, it's fairly, I mean, fairly current, in, in in at least in what your current thoughts are, and if I could, um, you talk, I'll, 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 I'll throw the quote um, right from the book, and then I'll share with you something that resonated with me almost perfectly for the last several months, which is, um, I think you put when COVID-19 hit or something to that effect, um, the usual, your usual routine, as well as, as, as well as many of ours, was forced to stop. And you wrote, I had time to thoughtfully consider my journey, where I was, how I got there, and how I wish to proceed. Now, that is pretty well almost uh, parallel to a quote I've been using by another group of individuals, which says the same thing. And I've probably used that quote in the last 40 lectures I've given, no, no joke. Uh, as my opening slide. And I'll read that to you because it resonates with me as well. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit to, you know, the process of writing the book and, and why now was the right time to put it out. But when it comes to accelerating performance, there's a paradox. If you want to have greater impact faster, sometimes you have to slow down enough to reflect on what we've done and where we're going. I look at COVID-19 as being that global pause button for all of us. And Um, When you look at surgeons, at least in our communities, uh, there was a 70% decline in your usual day to day activities if it was work related. So, how did we fill that time? There were a lot, there was a ton of individuals who were really uncomfortable, and I would use the word stress uh, being part of that. And there's another group of people that were reflective and able to also accomplish things. And then there was this, but there wasn't one one pervasive viewpoint happening. And I'm wondering for you, how this last several months, this slowdown has allowed you to think about the concepts in the book, or were these concepts already completely solidified and you were just basically now putting them on print?
1: The COVID closure for me was definitely a time of of reflection as I mentioned in the book. Um, The concepts of this book came out of that uh, reflection actually. We, my office was closed from March 15th, and initially we were dealing with, as you would know, a lot of the issues academically for our residents and deciding how we're going to be doing um, things in that regard for curriculum and examinations, etc. During that time, as I was interacting with our residents and just in general looking at different um, posts to see what other institutions were doing, it really resonated with me that the residents and medical students were all in a level of stress that is unlike what we faced when we were going through medical school, which is stressful enough in residency as well, simply because of all of the uncertainty associated with it. That really brought me back to my time, and uh, I struggled through medical school. It was not an easy journey for me, and so it struck me that this is the first time I've got an extended period Uh, to actually work on a project. I've always loved writing. And so these are concepts I've been thinking about for many years. And um, it just so happened, I was going for a walk one day, and the framework hit me. (laughs) So so I actually had thought a lot about how, you know, the different challenges have hit me in various phases. And then when I was thinking about the the framework, I was on a walk um, with my husband, actually, and we were chatting and this came to mind and I said, you know, this actually applies. It's a bit of a pun in certain ways. The framework is called admit. And so we admit patience, but it's also encouraging us to admit what we're experiencing. So it actually came about rather quickly where the concepts and ideas had been brewing, but I hadn't really thought to put it together until this period came about. So with that, sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. So with that, um, it just, I started writing, I put together an outline and it all just started to flow and it just came out and I was able to connect with the right people to make it happen in a very short time frame, uh, which was uh, amazing on, on the people that I'm working with. They're quite remarkable in being able to push something like this through. And I was very um, hopeful that this would come out in 2020 because it is so timely and so, uh, the COVID certainly has heightened stress level of everyone uh, in medicine and even, and even beyond that.
0: Yeah, you know, funny, uh, there's a bunch of things that I reflect back on the things I talk about, but I, I've used another quote a lot, which is called saying isn't doing, doing is doing. I need, I see the D part of your admit as being doing. And there's a lot of people who might have ideas, um, but very few actually take them to that next level. So, um, you know, from, from the perspective of action, I think you, you know, in many ways manifest what many of us wish we can do, you know, is take the opportunity um, and be aggressive with that, is you know, or efficient with that time that we have. Let me, if I could, um, just ask you broadly, because the book is about stress. How how does stress, in your in your mind, um, manifest itself? Like, so when you're, uh, whether you're a trainee or whether you're uh, later in practice, what what is stress, and, and or, or what are the features that would alert someone that things aren't right?
1: I think there are a few things. Number one is a general feeling of being overwhelmed where you lose clarity in what you're trying to actively work on, where the small things tend to become bigger issues where in another time period, it would have just been like rolled off your back type of idea. There's, there's that component. Uh, there are three different components, really. There's the psychological component, there's the physical component, and then there's the cognitive component. So depending on how you manifest, I think that varies in everybody, and you need to learn to identify what that is for you. So as I mentioned, um, from a cognitive standpoint, there can be the feeling of overwhelm where you can't make decisions, you can't um, proceed with things or process the information as you normally would. From a psychological standpoint, there can be the emotional manifestations of feeling depressed or irritated, for example, or Uh, Just generally a physical uh, unwellness, which is the physical aspect where you can get headaches, um, nausea, just a feeling of fatigue that can be overwhelming. Those are factors I think that are are things we can identify on our own self-reflection, which is something that I emphasize in the book as well. So that you can recognize these things as flags and then know that this is a moment to take a pause and really try to see how best to manage the circumstance.
0: I also noted that you uh, put some emphasis, to some degree anyways, on being able to recognize your own personality traits. And I think it was something along the lines of, you know, you know using, um, you know, that that spectrum between being um, extrovert to an introvert and saying, you know, if you're aware of it, um, you know, you have even more power to be able to reflect on what it means and, and what and how one might react. Can you speak a little bit about um, the issue of, you know, how, how your personality may influence how you react to some of these stressors.
1: So I speak uh, about that personality uh, aspect from the perspective of how do we seek support. So for introverts, I am more introverted by nature. We tend to go inward and not really discuss our feelings openly or our challenges very openly. That's just the tendency we have because the, the uh, go-to is to go inward and think about the different issues that are arising, the different perspectives that are arising, and then try to come up with a solution from there. And that's in contrast to the extrovert, where they're very chatty, more often willing to reach out to other people. And as a result of that, they're more likely to seek support. The idea of being aware of where you fall in that spectrum is that for myself, for example, if I tend to go inward, I can't, number one, get perspectives from other people who may have something valuable to contribute. Uh, the other is I can't seek emotional support just by unloading the burden where they say, you know, a problem shared is a problem lessened. Uh, and also the idea that um, when you're able to engage and express with other people, you there's a connectedness that can come about that can counter a feeling of isolation that you may otherwise feel just by the nature of the fact that you're introverted. From the extroversion standpoint, there is the benefit that you're likely to reach out, as I mentioned before. Um, you are going to be more likely to get those external perspectives, assuming you have the ability to listen as well. A lot of extroverts like to talk and you know, forget to listen sometimes. Um, but the idea with that is that where the introvert often sits quietly and reflects, the extrovert may not have that. And so in order to develop that inner awareness of where those um, roots of reaction are what your stress manifests like. You do need to have that period of quiet reflection. And so, if you're more extroverted in nature, it's you know valuable to reflect. Do I take that time to actually think about the issues uh, from different perspectives within my own mind, in addition to seeking the external support?
0: Yeah, and I noticed a lot about mindfulness, uh, reflection, meditation—at least, maybe not worded always in those ways—but really taking a moment, a pause getting out going for a walk you know if you're a cyclist cycle whatever it takes to get in your mind but taking time to just let you know things settle um i found that personally quite helpful you know um, whether it's a ride or a walk um, i find those really helpful and it's interesting that when you said you have ideas come often i've always i've always said it this way and i've always thought that you know we all have lots of great ideas but they're also drowned out by the sound of noise in our head through our daily lives and if you can quiet the sound, some of the great ideas can actually be heard. Um, and so when you're, when you're walking or you're riding or you're just reflecting, staring out into a, a beautiful, you know, whether it's a sunset or a lake, I found I have way more um, reflections that are helpful to me for actionable things in my life rather than sort of the day-to-day grind. I wonder if you could speak a little bit more to the statement you make is you know what would it be like if we just lived in the present moment so not worried about the past not worried about the future but and how does one actually achieve that
1: that i think is challenging for us um, for people in general and i think for us as as physicians simply because we've got so many responsibilities we're always being pulled in different directions uh, whether it be work-related family-related or otherwise And so to be able to stop and be still is challenging, simply because there is so much that needs to be addressed in the day. My feeling for myself is that uh, it's important to do that. And I find the most effective time for me to do that is actually at the end of the day, um, where whether I'm taking a few moments in a quiet room at home, or just, you know, laying in bed and just listening to the silence around me. That's how I'm able to get centered into that moment. So we do have all of the ambient sounds around us and we've got the sounds going on in our minds as well. But I once read a book where they suggested if you just try to listen to the silence, actively listen to the silence uh, below all of those sounds or beneath all of those sounds, it can actually serve to center you. That uh, process coupled with deep breathing, and I do mention that in the book, that allows me to clear my mind and then The act of allowing that clearance to happen creates space and room for other feelings to come up. So I find the thoughts don't stop, but it creates room for those inner messages that I need to pay attention to. It's difficult to do, and it it took me a while to develop the skill to be able to do that, to be quite honest with you. Um, Many months, perhaps years (laughs) even. (laughs) Uh, I'm still I, trying.
0: I'm still trying, so I yeah.
1: So yeah. it's not, and I'm not quite 100% there yet. Mm-hmm. Still, as a challenge. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there's definitely value in it, and I've always believed that things come to us in the time that we need to hear them. Experiences come when we have to have them, yeah. and uh, so long as we're open to the lessons in those moments, and we're willing to listen to ourselves and how we're processing it, we can always get something out of it if we're if we're maintaining that open mind.
0: And then that gets me grew really to the crux of some of the, you know, of some of the uh, clear strategies that you suggest we use, but it gets, starts around the storyline of change, right? Change is really hard and whether you're leading change or whether you're participating in change, that's usually when we see, uh, when I say we proverbially, but that's usually when I've seen, um, you know, uh, stress manifests itself at high, high levels. So COVID represented a major shift in the way we all live. So I think all of us for the first time in the world, I think have felt something the same way um, and i always say that developed nations are finally hearing what the low middle income countries have been sirening for years which is health care is not a uh, privilege it's a right and so we're all feeling that uh for the first time and you see different ways in which we either cope or adapt and some and some don't do either unfortunately I wonder if you could speak a little bit about to change and then maybe speak a little bit um, about the, the overall acronym, which is admit uh, and how that actually plays in. So how does that practically now help somebody uh, going through um, what would be considered uh, a change, a big change, whatever that may be right now we're in COVID, but I I suspect this applies to any major shift. Mm
1: -hmm. I I agree that that change really is uh, the root of a lot of, stresses and change happens, you know, in various ways in our lives. COVID certainly, as you mentioned, has, um, is a prime example of that. The admit framework, um, and I'll relate it back, I also think that this is also um, connected to integrative thinking where you can actually take a situation that does not seem very positive and then flip it and be, make it a new opportunity. So the admit framework ties both to change management, I think, and integrative thinking models. A stands for adapting to new ways. So the idea is that when we're presented with a new situation, challenge, circumstance, or process, it's hard to adapt to that because we're so set in our ways. And so the idea is what are some of the barriers that we need to overcome to help allow ourselves to simply be open to uh, considering a new idea? And the, the book speaks about concepts of locus of control, for example, and how you view the world. Uh, D is for doing the work. That addresses the idea that we are pulled in multiple directions and so how do you manage those circumstances where you feel like you have a hundred things to do, you've got limited time to do it. uh, What are the barriers and challenges that we can explore within ourselves um, to help address those uh, concerns? M is about measuring success. We're raised uh, in a competitive environment or we're reared in a competitive environment in medicine. We're getting into medical school, residency uh, positions, we're always competing with others. And we're, uh, our evaluations are rooted in external measures of success. So how we do on exams, how we do on clinical rotations, it's always based on what the other is saying. And so the idea is that while that's important because we need to maintain standards of uh, various sorts, how do we not internalize that so that that becomes how we defo- so, it, so that the external measures of success are not how we define ourselves. So that we can move beyond that into the internal measures of success so that while those external measures are a cause for stress, it doesn't shake us to our very core if something were to inadvertently be a disappointment or not go as well as we'd anticipated. Uh, I is for introspection, and that talks about the mindfulness. Uh, idea and just taking that time to see what emotions come up when we're in different situations, uh, try to consider those emotions within a framework of emotional intelligence, which I also talk about in the book, and then see how we can learn more about our reactions and then modify our responses to make the stress levels um, more manageable. And then T is about transformation. The idea that you know, having gone through different phases of experience and having considered the different elements and how one can modify and process things in a way that would be more productive or conducive to lowering stress levels and still being productive, how can you then incorporate that into your being as you move forward so that each stage is, um, offers a, uh, thoughts to consider and concepts to consider so that when you come out of that situation or that challenge, there's actually been some real learning, which then incorporates into you who you are and therefore causes a transformation to your next version of yourself.
0: Oh, that's superb. And, and, and I guess the book, as I saw, goes into each of those in, in some degree of detail. So it allows you to kind of reflect on each of those points as you go forward. The one thing that struck me, too, is I've done a little bit of reading around, you know, mindsets and um, growth versus a fixed mindset. Carol Dweck uh, was a scientist who talked about this, which really you know, resonated in some of the things you're saying is that so much of it is if you believe that you're doomed or you already believe you can't change, that it'll be very difficult to change. And I think you make that point as well, that you have to have an openness to change to even start on that journey and whatever that looks like and how you build in those um, you know sort of your own supports uh, along the way I wonder if you could Nina um, if you if you uh, were to give any uh, words of advice to a medical student a trainee uh, a resident in orthopedics and surgery any of the, any, any of the disciplines or even a faculty member who right now uh, may watch may listen and uh, is feeling overwhelmed by the situation situation what should be their first act what should they do at this point obviously they want to obviously i think it's facetiously they should read your book i think it's a really good one that's the first it's great the great first start but but if you were to give advice as someone who's really lived this uh, what would that be for people
1: i think the biggest thing to keep in mind and my dad has said this to uh, my brother and i repeatedly wherever there's a problem there is a solution you just have to be patient and willing to find it So I think keeping that in mind is is a good premise because it sets up the mind, mindset, as you just mentioned, uh, in a way that allows opportunity to come to you and uh, the hope of resolution. So I would say keep that in mind. And then moving forward from that, uh, if you do read the book, just look and think about the concepts in those various phases of experience. Try to identify what is it about that particular challenge that you're struggling with? Isn't the idea that you just don't want to accept the idea and you think it's a bad one and you're not open to it? Or is it just you know, the idea that you've got so many things to do and it's just one more thing? Or you disagree with what the outcome needs to be or what that outcome should look, that, look like? Uh, and moving on, continuing from that, emotionally, do you feel like you're just not able to manage the additional stress for whatever reason? Uh, and then are you willing to do it? Are you willing to go forth with the change uh, and change your mindset? So I think really thinking about what is the barrier along the path to managing that challenge and then moving forward with the idea that if there is a problem, there's a solution. We just have to be willing to, you know, find it, look for and find it.
0: On that note, I can't thank you enough, Dr. Nina Hujah, for spending some time with us today at Orthopod. Uh, And giving us some salient advice about what we can do to manage stress and more importantly, the actions we can take within uh, to help cope in a very, very difficult time. Thank you so much for your time.